Hi, this is Ash Nissan from Dreamtown Realty. You're listening to 1590 and 95.9 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Anti-jokes can also be used for psychological experiments right at home. You may have heard of this one already, the no-soap radio joke. Here's how it works. Get a couple of your friends together and tell them to all laugh when you're done telling the joke, no matter what. Then, go find a target who's not in on it and tell them some version of a joke like this. Two polar bears were sitting in a bathtub. The first one says, pass the soap. The second one says, no soap, radio. At this point, you and your friends should start laughing uproariously, meaning the target has one of two choices. Either be afraid of looking dumb and laugh along anyway, or say they're confused, at which point you should tell them what you don't get it and keep laughing. You wait until the target gives in to peer pressure and succumbs to mob mentality and joins, despite the fact that no soap radio is actually nonsense. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in demand. Don't fade it out too soon. we got to hear in demand and then write. No, no, no. We'll have a chat about that later (laughs) on, Andy. (laughs) Wait, we're supposed to be laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome to the show. <laughs> well, I'm laughing, and I'm... I can, okay, now you can fade it out, Andy. Here we go. Uh, we have to be nice to Andy. He's, I know. he's, our, he's our guest he, He's our studio. guest engineer in the studio, because we are on location here. We got uh, Randall with us at the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois, where we can see our breath this morning. That is amazing. It's June something, 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 like the 16th, the middle of June, and I can see my breath here. This is, uh, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. And the fog is rolling in, the, rolling out, burning fog. off, melting around. Uh, right, and we'll talk about that. Uh, oh, great. And, and there's and a car driving down the street. There, there is? Oh, okay, yeah, right there. Up. Okay, Oof. don't don't run into the booth here because we are, as we said, we're live at the the festival. Uh, we're broadcasting, uh, kind of all weekend here. The weather has not exactly cooperated, but today it's supposed to. Uh, even though we can see our breath out here today, it's not going to rain. Yeah, but the rain is done. And we're at Maine in Chicago and Evanston, so come on down. We're here for the next two hours. Right. Stop and, by. And uh, I think the thing actually opens at 10. Uh, and we want to uh, thank our sponsors, of course, 
uh, Four Eyes Optical, Arlington International Race Course, and Firehouse Grill. They all get dings. Uh, and welcome to the show. We've got guests here. We're going to be talking about the weather later on because it has been such a nasty, cool spring. Uh, and it just continues. It just goes on and on and on. And those of you trying to plant peppers and tomatoes, <laughs> they, I don't know about I, the, I wheeled them back in the garage again last, yesterday. I don't know about you folks in the rest of the country, but I know in Chicago people, they're just starting to throw their hands in the air and go, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but uh, uh, I've got some in the ground, and, 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 and I brought some in last night. I've got some in plastic tubs mm-hmm. still in the backyard, my tomato plants that I grew from seed, that Kathleen actually started from seed, and we grew from seed. I moved them onto the porch because I was afraid they were going to get drowned because uh, they've had so much water. Oh, yeah, water. and in the, in the tubs that don't drain, yeah. The tubs that don't drain. Yeah. So I brought those in, but I saved the water that had already <laughs> rained to it. No, see, now that's the watering because yeah. it's got all the nutrients. Exactly. All the, all the nutrients yeah. that got washed out of the, the pots are now in the tubs, so you uh, put it in a container, and then you wash it back into the, into the container. And that's, let's see, how many days till summer? Less than a week? Uh, it ain't happening. I, I, I think it's uh, going to be canceled uh, due to lack of interest or, or something like that. Hey, uh, uh, just because uh, we're out here on location doesn't mean we, we don't have uh, great guests today. And uh, we're going to start by, believe it or not, maybe it's a good thing, talk about indoor plants um, uh, with the woman who's sitting uh, right behind us, uh, Louise Rosenberg, owner, plant, and art curator for Cultivate Urban Rainforest and gallery and it's just right and, around the block here and then in the uh, later on this hour we've also got a friend of ours from the chicago botanic garden uh who's going to be here to sell it well we're celebrating her award her name is uh dr k Ree havens it's spelled k-a-y-r-e-r-i rather and everybody calls her k um, and she's receiving uh, a lifetime achievement award from the uh, American Horticultural Society, or AHS, and we're very proud of her. But I have a feeling, you know, I'm going to say, hey, what's the award? And then I'm going to say, now, would you tell me what we do with our plants mm-hmm. when it's this cool and wet? And, and what's going on over at the Chicago Botanic Garden? And how are you keeping stuff alive? So she will be with us today. So, and of course, later on, Rick DeMaio weather, and we'll talk about this too. All on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, live from Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. Come on by. The fish are back, and we're live streaming June 22nd from the annual MPKS Koi and Trade Show at the Max in McCook, Illinois. The show is June 21st to 23rd. Learn from the pros, including the water mopes, Dr. Passavoy and his water quality team at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. Exhibits and seminars are free. Their 2019 Garden and Pond Tour is at the end of July, covering the entire Chicago area. Go to mpks.org. It's a new year, and Chicagoans are still looking for new and better ways to get healthier. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach our area's growing wellness and sustainability market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 engaged monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. 
Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't the music I was going to play, but it's music, there. Music for fog. Uh, it, it is there. That, that sounds like uh, foggy music there. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, and uh, are we streaming? Dude, he's working on it right now. We got Randall here out at the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. We're live. Uh, and we have our first guest who's uh, sitting right next to us, and she just ha- had to walk around the court. You didn't have to walk very far, like a block and a half or something like that? It was just... Uh, you got to hold... Now, you, 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 ha- you have to hold the I barely the noticed that I even walked. It was that short, so it was great. Uh, great. It's uh, Louise Rosenberg, uh, who's uh, with Cultivate Urban Rainforest and Gallery. And uh, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank, oh, thank I'm sorry. You that's much. yours. I thought that was. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal your. your oh, that's all right. We it's were just using a that. Prom. That was anyway. well. It, I was using that one before, and it, they looked very similar. I'm sorry. <laughs> she thought I was stealing her cell phone. It's oh like, dear. It's just, so bad. She, she just really looked at me like, great. "What are you okay. doing? Why are you stealing Get your my hands cell off my phone?" phone. <laughs> yes. Uh, Oh, see, now I'm just, but I will go in and I'll steal a plant now that I can't uh, have the that phone. That would be lovely if you took a part of the plant family home. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. I did take a part of the plant family home last year. Uh, I took uh, one of the bird's nest uh, ferns home, um, and, I, and I looked it up, and i got to remember. Yeah, you uh, put the name of it up. Did I put the name of it up? Oh, good. Well, then oh, it's, nice. It's, yeah. they, are, they are wonderful plants. Um, here it is. Oh, I'm not going to find and it. They have that name because of how oh, they open is. and unfurl. Aspli- cool. Asplenium antiquum. Leslie is the one, and uh, it's got it's got this uh, little mm-hmm. little doohickeys on the oh, end yeah. of, of a. That's a scientific <laughs> that, term. I was going to say yes, the botanically doohickey. Doohickey, is correct, but it was a little one. But yes. I got it in a little pot because I said yeah. no, 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 no. I'm not buying a big one because I know I can grow this, and, and I did, and it's been doing very, very well. Boy, I hope that car doesn't knock over our tripod. That's that's so very close. <laughs> so very close. <laughs> Live radio. And uh, uh, so I went in. Uh, we walked in the store. We were here last year, mm-hmm. and at the fair. When it was and ninety-eight then, degrees. And, and then and then we walked around and and let's stop in here. This looks cool, uh, and your store is lovely. And uh, oh, you thank got, you, Mike. It, it is, and you got some great plants. Oh, oh here's another truck coming for us. Okay, let's go for the tripod now. If you, wow, if you try is, really close, okay, you're gonna hold on. Yeah, just take everything <laughs> down. I'm sorry, we're being distracted here. I shouldn't be distracted, but when the <laughs> oh, camera is about to get knocked dear. over by a truck, you, you move. You, you, okay, just don't hit the live air. radio. This is what live, we call live, live. radio on site. <laughs> So we walked. Thank in, you, Randall. We walked into your your business, and, uh, and boy, you should see Randall running around here. I don't know we're going to be able to do a radio show he's here. He's trying huh? to get his Facebook Live audio. Is I'm what he's already trying to do. as unfocused as a human being can be, and uh, having these all this stuff going on around. So here. Louise has a lovely shop with plants and jewelry and artwork and terrariums, and we've now actually added um, aquatic plants as well. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite thrilled to add that into, uh, we're very environmentally minded. 
Yeah, that's one of the things I noticed uh, uh, on there. You're trying to be as green as possible, which is an interesting challenge for indoor plants, isn't it? I mean, because outdoors, you know, you tell people, buy, uh, use organic stuff, don't use pesticides in your garden. But uh, often, you're, I would imagine, you're buying plants from people and you have to make sure you know what they put on them, that sort of thing. Um, tragically... Very few of the tropical growers do anything uh, green-wise as far as their soil or their fertilizers are concerned. That's kind of what I was thinking. Um, yeah. But what we sell is only those things. I don't offer oh, that. Oh, really? I don't offer that as a side thing, like, oh, it's a marketing concept. Yeah. But here's all the other stuff mm-hmm. that's bad. That's all we offer. Uh-huh. So if you're amending, repotting, um, You'll get organic products only from my shop. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the stuff that you can control um, yourself, you yes, you would be able to control yourself. That. But 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 <clears throat> you point out a really important point about the industry is uh, chemicals are everywhere, and sometimes they're they're quite useful uh, to try to keep things healthy. Uh, you can't. You obviously can't be cultivating indoor plants and then have them diseased and have insects in them and, and, and ship them out to the uh, vendors like you, uh, you have to be very careful about that. So they, uh, they go out of their way to, to protect the plants. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not trying to, to sandbag you here, but oh, do you know what the, no. the state of that is in the industry? Uh, you say you're, they're, you're choosing the plants that have been treated more gently, let, let us say, more organically. How hard is that? It's it's incredibly hard. Um, it's not so hard anymore. Like when we carry perennials, um, I carry earth friendly, grown only perennials mm-hmm. and herbs. Um, the way it can be most sustainable with tropical plants is actually educating people so that they're not constantly buying plants that die and having to buy new ones, and then also having just trying to help people learn about how to take care of plants and Mm -hmm. then one thing i've really discovered is we get so many people who are brand new to plants whether they're very young or you know in the 50s or even sometimes older and they don't know really that they even actually need sun oh yeah well except that we're different degrees of sun so we're right so it's a gift because while it's sad that people have kind of lost knowledge we're helping people get back in touch with plants. Sure, but when you're, when you're talking tropicals and when you're talking indoor plants, most of those plants want bright, indirect light. Yes. They don't want, you know, they might need it. And that's, and that's, and that's also really tricky because if you're, if you're growing this outside and it says it's a sun plant, you put it in the sun. Mm-hmm. All right. If you're growing a, a plant indoors and it needs bright, indirect light, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> All right, and I think uh, people they fry their pr- plants when they put them right in the window, or right. they 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 languish in the darkness somewhere in the house. It's hard to find that that perfect medium. And it's going to change season to season. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we kind of well, I teach a class called Plant Parenthood every month um, that goes over that information mm-hmm. very clearly. What does that mean when you have a tag that says bright indirect light? Mm-hmm. Most people. You know, that's a shorthand if you already know the information. So um, we really go over that anytime someone comes in to buy a plant. Oh, I want a plant for my kitchen. Okay, but that doesn't tell me anything. 
So what direction yeah. is the light coming from? <laughs> well, you, you want a plant that's I not want one for my bathroom. Okay, but what direction is the light coming from? And right. most people, that throws them for a mm -hmm. moment or maybe several moments. Well, And, and, and then we and, discuss the other yeah. things. Like and you, you could have a tree outside your window. You could have awnings. You could have close buildings. So we really get mm -hmm. into the nitty-gritty of what it means to understand. Because you could have a south light. But it could also be actually your lowest light because it could be blocked with things. So then we have to go west. Mm -hmm. I've got my hand in the air because we have a south-facing house <laughs> that is the darkest home in the city of Chicago. And I don't know why. We've got a bank of windows, two of them on the east, four of them on the south, and it's still dark. And a skylight. And a skylight. Well, that's the, the only reason I can grow plants is that when we were getting our roof done, we said, please, can you put a skylight in? Please, oh. I'm not going to be able to grow anything. Because it was... It was really dark in there. Uh, and so they put the uh, 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 skylight in, and now I do okay. It's still kind of dark, and I can only put them in the living mm -hmm. room. The dining room's a, a, a lost cause. Can't do it there. And, and you mentioned bathrooms. Often bathroom has one window in it. And, yes. and, and so are you going to put your plant right in the window, or, uh, and, and what direction is that facing? So it's all, it can be a little tricky. We do, yeah, we talk quite a lot when anyone buys a plant. It's no, for most people, it takes a little bit of time to sort out all the little elements of what the plant light is going to All right, so, that, so, 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 cool. so what folks should know is that they can come to you once a month, right? Um, once a month we have the class, mm -hmm. but anytime someone comes in to purchase a plant, we do a mini version of the class because mm -hmm. we want people to be successful plant parents. And, and this is just among the workshops you have. You, uh, as you said, the plant parenthood workshops, and you've got terrarium workshops coming up. Um, you've got art and gifts. You've got, I'm looking at your website here, all mm -hmm. kinds of different things. And you're also bringing in music. Yes, we've had a fairly regular, you know, maybe every couple of months somebody comes in. Um, we've had a lot of live jazz. Um, we've had some local musicians come in, and we're having singer-songwriters. Um, next, actually, Saturday on the solstice, mm -hmm. we're having a group come by, and they're going to sing, actually, and perform spoken word and songs about plants and stories. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, we love it. Yeah, yeah you know, and... <laughs> And I uh, imagine that uh, you also uh, like to kick back with a, a glass of wine or something like that. Can you do that? Um, so uh, our events, because thank you, Evanston, uh, <laughs> I, I can't really afford the uh, fee for, uh, for that. Oh, so, I'm sorry. So, but it's BYOB, and we, we have openers if needed. Mm -hmm. We have uh, lots of lovely small establishments where you can purchase mm -hmm. any beverage you might want. My next-door neighbor right, right the up, Wine Goddess, right up literally. Chicago Avenue. Chicago Avenue, also Vinick. Love yeah. both lovely humans that, that run those businesses. <laughs> They're really like, that's one of the best things is, is while you're freaking out as a small business owner in this current climate, um, that you have people that you can commiserate with and get mm -hmm. ideas with and band together with. This area is called the Main Dempster Mile, and we do work together to be part of the community yeah. and, and support each other. And I want to make sure so, that folks yeah. know uh, where they're going here because the, the address is 704 Main Street in Evanston. It's just off of Chicago Avenue, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, in Evanston, and uh, you can go to... Uh, CultivateUrbanRainforest.com to uh, to find more mm -hmm. information. But you can also, we noticed that you've started online. You have an online shop now. So yes. how does that work with plants? Um, 
So it's pretty interesting. Drones, right? You just, yep. <laughs> you just put the plants on a drone and just... <laughs> go to this address. And, and, and if, they have a, if they have the hole in the ground, you just drop the plant oh, in the cool. hole. And it, yeah, that's how it works. And well, then the there's little drone. other robots that come along yeah. and close the, the hole. The first drone yeah. cleans it up. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> it out. Yikes. Um, so there's actually a lot of people... Um, there's plants are very house plants are very hip right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always very, been hip. Haven't well, they? they they had a decline, which is why there weren't like house plant stores anymore. Like there used to yeah. be huge people, sections of house plants at any uh, garden center. Used to have huge house yeah. plant sections, yeah. and people don't up. realize that they need light yeah. because yeah. they maybe grew up in a they home that didn't that have them. The, right? Yeah. Um, so that sort of disappeared, but it's really very strongly on the way back, partially because I think there's isolation and people are disconnected from the natural world. And well, a lot of they're bringing nature inside. And as you mentioned this morning, um, gee, what do you do with the darn plants outside nowadays? <laughs> anyway, the weather is fairly constant in your home. Yeah. So. Um, Although my spider plant is very happy outside right now. Yeah, you can. Oh, sure. Excellent. Glad to hear. Oh, are you kidding? I bring most of my indoor plants out for this time of year, and they're going to be out all summer, and they get really lush and beautiful, and then I bring them in and and abuse them through the winter. No, you put them under a happy leaf LED. I did, but it it worked for some, but not for others. And it's, uh, I'll give you, uh, for instance, I've got this avocado plant that's five, six feet tall now, Mm. all right, that I grew from a pit. And uh, last year, I took it out and I repotted it after after X number of years, and it just went nuts. It just said, "Yay! I'm so happy! Woo-hoo, I'm going to set all, all these fruit. leaves." Yay. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to keep it. Ha- I'm going to keep it in good shape for the winter. I'm bring it in. And I put it under the light, and it didn't matter. It still wasn't warm enough. It still wasn't mm. enough light like it is outdoors, and it starts to decline, and the leaves get a little crinkly. Not crinkly, but they get a little brown." Um, and I put it outside, and now I'm watching it bud all over again. And this is just the cycle that I, I, I'm doomed to relive every year, it seems. Um, it, yeah, in some ways, that, that's true. Um, but one of the cool things is that so many plants are resilient and can go through that tougher Chicago winter inside thing and then recover. Um, there are plants that want it to be really warm, and, you know, yeah. I don't... You know, I don't want to put you on the spot about how warm you keep your house. (laughs) Oh, well, all right. I'm legendary for keeping it very cool because I I don't want to end up in the poor farm with the gas bill, okay? Yes, I hear that. Absolutely. So so, uh, most tropical plants would love it if... You know, in the seventies, not happening. There, not there you happening. Go. So you can take that responsibility on <laughs> well, yourself. I'm doing, I know it. You I, know. So, quick question for you then: for someone who's getting started on house plants, what is a, what are your recommendations? What's the best plant to get for the average indoor environment that that they're going to have success <coughs> with, and then move on to the more difficult ones? So, what I try to do is find out like if people have had plants before and they've had trouble keeping them alive i always ask oh they're like oh i always kill house plants i go okay well how do you kill them do you, do you think that you want to water something all the time and that's and but they die anyway or do you like absolutely forget to water your plants so because, because there's overwatering and, and there's just, just Underwatering, people come in and are like, "Oh, well, I heard you can never kill a succulent, but I always kill them." So 
then I go, okay. Did they let's rat out first, from the base? Right. So first we talk about their light, and then I aim them at the right one. So it could be a succulent if they are not an overwater, mm-hmm. um, or if they kind of like to tend to, to plants more, then I might say, okay, well, actually, you want this great fern because it wants a little bit more you know, consistent moist soil, and that would be a good kind of lifestyle match for you. So each one is a conversation. Yeah. And, and that's the point. We're, we're about out of time, but the point is obviously every situation is different. I just want to make sure that folks know where they're going to go when they come to Evanston here. And, of course, it's Cultivate Urban Rainforest and Gallery. Go to CultivateUrbanRainforest.com. Uh, is that it? That, and, that yeah. is, in fact, it. Uh, and Instagram, and our Instagram is cultivate underscore shop. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us, Louise Rosenberg. Folks, head on over there. Uh, get some indoor plants. Mike Novak Show with Peggy Miller. We'll be right back. Smart farmers know that good growing starts with good soil biology, and you can't do better than with products from Tinyo Biologicals, the industry leader for 30 years, now available through Blazing Star. You'll find soil and seed inoculants, growth-promoting enzymes, foliar fertilizers, and biostimulants. Whether you're conventional, organic, or in transition, learn about Tinyo's biological farm management system. Go to blazing-star.com, and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. Winter snow isn't that far behind us, but the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards are already taking applications for this year's competition. Whether your garden is in your backyard, at a school, a church, a business, a community garden, or even an urban farm, you can enter as long as it's in the city of Chicago. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your plot of paradise might be recognized as one of the best in the city. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on location at the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. Before we get to our next guest, uh, got a minute for your trees. Last week, Bartlett Tree Experts had information about galls. We talked about that. Today, they want to talk to you about anthracnose. Oh, boy, isn't that fun? Uh, In many cases, the word sounds worse than the actual condition. Uh, Anthracnose is a fungus. And the wet weather encourages its spread. The Morton Arboretum says that anthracnose is primarily a foliar disease affecting many deciduous trees, including ash, elm, oak, and maple. I got a couple of elms out front that get uh, some anthracnose. In fact, they're getting them at this time of we, year. We were looking at some as we were walking from the yeah, parking lot. Yeah, from the parking lot right now. We were looking at a tree. I went, oh, look, it's anthracnose. Isn't that <laughs> lovely? Uh, now, cultural methods are usually sufficient to reduce the severity of anthracnose in our region. These include pruning trees to open up the canopy for better air circulation, maintaining, maintaining tree vigor with proper watering during times when rain is inadequate, and mulching around the base of the tree. Always keep mulch away from the trunk, folks. 
In the fall, clean up and destroy fallen leaves to reduce the source of inoculum. If you have sycamore anthracnose, now you might be dealing with a more serious problems, and it might be time to talk to Bartlett tree experts. Why? You know why. Because every tree needs a champion, especially in an anthracnose year. Go to Bartlett.com. This is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, um, watching the trucks go by as they, <laughs> as they narrowly miss our camera set up there. And we're downwind of the grilling chicken. Well, that, that might not be great for you. It's uh, not too bad here. Uh, it's, uh, the smells are getting better as more people are firing up the grills around here. Yeah, we've got island noodles over there and all sorts of things across the way. All here. right, uh, folks, uh, do we have our guest on the line? Yes. Hello. Oh, then that is our guest on the line. It's an old friend of the show. Not that you're old, just that you're a friend of the show. Uh, and that is Dr. K. Ree Havens from the Chicago Botanic Garden. Kay, good to talk to you again. You too. Um, I'm sorry you can't be with us here to, to, to have the chicken smells and all the other stuff that's being grilled up right here uh, uh, at the Custer yeah. Fair in Evanston. And you just heard us, you know, we're going to talk about, you're, you're winning a big award, you've won a big award, you've been a, given a big award, you didn't actually apply for it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but I, want to, I don't want to get too far away from what I was just talking about here, which is the wet spring and anthracnose, and I'm sure you're seeing a bit of that yourself up at the Botanic Garden. We are. It's been a really slow and cold and damp spring, as you all know, and uh, flowers are coming out a lot later than they normally do, and we are dealing with a few fungal issues as well, so it's a bit of a challenge this year. Well, when you say it's a bit of a challenge, you know, you guys are the pros. You're the experts, and uh, the folks in, in, in a garden, in an average garden, and think, oh, my goodness, there's, what, what can I do here? Mm-hmm. And they, they look to people like you. To, to give them hope and advice, and what kind of advice are you giving to people right now? Well, I think, um, you know, our plant health people are, are helping people deal with um, fungal issues uh, and, and other diseases, but, you know, in terms of it being a, a really late spring, um, that too will change. Uh, we're experiencing big swings in weather year to year, and um, fortunately, most of the plants that uh, are from this region are used to that kind of um, crazy climate, and uh, you know they'll be back next year doing just fine. Really? We did okay. have because yeah. Well, you know, because of the polar vortex over the winter, we've had a lot of dieback on some of our woody plants. Um, yes. But aside from that, um, things are are going fairly well. Uh, well, and that's a concern with a lot of people. If you, uh, I've seen photos, many photos of boxwoods that are just—they're totally brown. They've they've gone <laughs> to that big. They're toast. Yeah, the, the yeah. Plant, uh, Ours too. Our right. boxwoods are gone as well. So oh, okay. um, really, yeah, they weren't they weren't ready for the polar vortex. <laughs> but I have I have a boxwood in my yard, but it's a huge one that I've stuck in a corner, and I've had there for a long time, and, and unfortunately. Uh, and this is not good for a horticultural guy. I can't remember the, the variety. It, it, it's just uh, coming through like a champ. It is just uh, beautiful and no problem at all. However, I had an azalea. It's called Herbert. And um, 
it 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 bloomed like a hoop skirt this year where there were blooms right around the base of it but nothing on top now the leaves came back but the buds all got blasted mm-hmm. by the the polar vortex uh, during the winter, so and I think a lot of people saw that, and I and I suspect that the buds at the bottom were below the snow line, so they survived, and so I had this ring of flowers <laughs> around the base of the plant. That's all I had. We saw that on a lot of plants. I had it on my fringe tree at home too. It's a strange looking phenomenon, but you know, again, next year, assuming that uh, the weather's a little more favorable, they'll they'll be fine. Well, you talked about these wild swings, uh, and and you you alluded to the idea that plants they sort of roll with it, and they go, yeah, uh, it's 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 ninety degrees in April one year, and it's forty the next, but and they don't seem to care that much. Uh, doesn't that also depend though uh, upon the plant? Like we said, boxwoods, some of the box, boxwoods just didn't make it. Um, so it, it, it's probably like human right, beings. There's a wi- wide range of responses. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I think most of our our native plants are adapted to um, the climate that we've all come to love here in Chicago, which varies year to year. And um, it's some of the exotics or things from further south that we're pushing a little and hoping they'll do well. And uh, when, then when we have a year that has. Uh, couple days at 20 below zero they say forget that and 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 with uh you know you talked about uh bud burst and we've had you on the show to talk about bud burst and that basically looks at the when plants flower and when they leaf out and and you you quantify that and it it enables you to 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 measure it Mm -hmm. accurately uh, what kind of, as a bud burst year, this is going to be a slow one, isn't it? This is a slow one. And so, you know, take our kind of iconic spring shrub that many of us look to for that first sign of spring for Scythia. And, you know, yeah. you want to see those yellow flowers. You want to think spring is on the way. And we've had it bloom as early as mid-March some years. And it was late April this year. And Wow. You know, that happens when we have a cold spring, and that's the beauty of bud burst is we can track these things and see how they're responding as our climate changes. Well, you have a tree, too, Mike, that last year bloomed really early. Yeah, well, uh, I have a cornus mass that always blooms early, and I've, and I've been able to chart that over the years. Uh, this year was later, obviously. Last year was fairly early. It's... Uh, or, or, well, I'm trying to remember. See, and now I'm going to get it wrong. But I, but I know that if I looked at the numbers, I can chart from year to year uh, when that blooms, and it's always a pretty good indicator of of, of degree days and and how things are going. Yep. Yep. Uh, and if folks want more information about that, they should go to budburst.org because you're always looking for citizen scientists, aren't you? We are. It's a national program, and anyone can participate and. So we do track phenology, which is what we're talking about, when plants leaf out, when they bloom, um, when they fruit. But we also have special research projects, and uh, we talked last fall about Budburst Nativars, which is a research project where we're looking at wild plants and their cultivated varieties and seeing um, which ones pollinators prefer. So, like right now, um, penstemon is one of the groups of species we're looking at. We have 
um, wild penstemon as well mm -hmm. as some of the cultivars like Husker Red and Blackbeard um, in our garden, and we're um, looking to see which pollinators come to more frequently, and if folks have those um, in their garden, they can play along at home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with our home game. Uh, do you have any yeah. anecdotal any anecdotal evidence along that line yet? Because I imagine you well, don't have the, the exact numbers yet. We don't, and you know, this is the first year that we're doing the observations, and Penstemon just came into bloom last week, so um, we don't have a lot to say about the ones we're monitoring. There has been research um, in New England on this um, mm -hmm. subject, and it's a mixed bag. So sometimes cultivars are really attractive to pollinators, and sometimes they're not. I think the native plant, the wild plant, um, comes out ahead in most of the studies, but there have been very few, so it's really too early to say. All right. Well, let's get to your award here because uh, it's quite prestigious, and congratulations. Uh, the American Horticultural Society um, decided as part of their 2019 Great American Gardeners Award uh, to give you the Liberty Hyde Bailey Award, and apparently it's the highest honor given to an individual who has made significant lifetime contributions to at least three of the following horticultural fields, teaching, research, communications, plant exploration, administration, art, business, and leadership. So which of those did you qualify for, Kay? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. Um, I, uh, I don't know, um, you know, what... Who nominated me? What letters were written? I'm just completely humbled and honored about this award um, and a, a little bit shocked because I feel like, you know, I haven't completed my lifetime of work yet. So I've got a lot of work left to do. And uh, in my head, I'm only 29. So <laughs> still, still lots of things to do. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what? You know, just even looking at uh, Bud Burst uh, is such a valuable program. Uh, and I think that's the kind of thing they're looking at, something that really makes a difference, and I believe that that does. And you you and I have talked for probably close to 20 years on the radio about various things, so I know you've been around a, a while and you know a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have more years than I like to count, um, and, and Bud Burst probably is one of the things um, that they looked at. I, I've also done a lot of work with plants and their pollinators, um, and so we we have a we have a new project right now with forest preserves of Cook County where we're testing a kind of semi restoration. I won't call it a full fledged restoration um, process, but we're we're trying to make degraded lands work harder while they're waiting for full scale restoration. So, in Cook County alone, there's probably oh, tens of thousands of acres that are degraded that um, the county would like to restore but seed is limited and money is limited and yeah. people power is limited and so we're overseeding well, some we're, of those areas of with time. really tough wild um, plants Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. 
Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. That smooth jazz means that we're back at the Custer Fair in Evanston. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And we're hoping that all of you who listen to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki continue to show up at City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center. And now's the time to take advantage of their buy one, get one free sale on their fabulous organic veggie starts. And this Wednesday, June 19th, learn how to raise monarch and black swallowtail caterpillars at their Grow Your Own Butterflies event. And they've got complimentary valet parking on weekends, too. Go to 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. City Grange, united we blossom. And I need to ask, because I don't know, uh, is Kay still on the phone with us? Oh, yay. I'm still on. Hi, Kay. I'm sorry about that. We kind of bump, we have these hard breaks, and we bump into them sometimes, and there's nothing we can do, so... uh, I I want you <laughs> I want you to pick up where you <laughs> left off because you were talking about the Forest Preserve District of Cook County and some of the work you're doing there. Right. So um, we're testing a, a kind of restoration process that we're talking about as native winters, and so we're trying to make these degraded landscapes do more, support pollinators while they're waiting for full scale restoration, and we're okay. putting in really tough species like common milkweed and bee balm and gray-headed coneflower, um, just overseeding them onto these degraded lands and seeing if we can get some services out of them while they wait for full-scale restoration. That is so wow. brilliant. I, that, that <laughs> make, you know, because it, it is because there's so, so much mm-hmm. land that needs to be restored. And the resources aren't there to just run out and do it right now. You know, well, don't worry, we'll have it done by next week. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> we've got okay, we've, two weeks. Yeah, we've got seventy thousand <laughs> yeah. acres in the forest yeah. preserve system, and a lot. Of, we talked to uh, the general su- uh, superintendent last week, Arnold Randall, and I called him General. I said, General, you know, <laughs> and, he, and he called me. Uh, uh, well, I don't know what I, I can't say what he called me. Uh, but um, we were talking about some of the areas. He says, that, yeah, there's a lot of work going on, but some of the areas you just can't get to right away. So I love the idea of throwing down seed and say, okay, let's, let's see what we can do. So, it's, uh, so I imagine you're, you're going to do studies of that too. And, and who knows, maybe this is a way to do things uh, that, that, where it's a, a little uh, more inexpensive. It's less expensive to, to get this restoration done. Exactly. It's it's not the gold standard. It's not, you know, full-scale restoration, but it's sure. a great way to um, get a little more out of these landscapes that are not doing much for us right yeah. now. And if it helps the monarch butterfly and the rusty patch bumblebee and other pollinators, it's, it's a great yeah, thing. 
Still creating um, habitat, so even if it's not it's ideal. Our, our, it's our pollinator theme this year at the garden, mm-hmm. Bees and Beyond. So I encourage folks to come out and learn about pollinators. And we do have a symposium next Saturday, the 22nd, on pollinators. So hope folks oh, come well. out and, and hear more about it. Well, give us uh, the details of that at the Chicago Botanic Garden, obviously, and uh, a pollen. And of course, it's uh, when uh, we come back later. We're going to talk about Pollinator Week because we are entering Pollinator Week, aren't we, Kay? We are. Um, so the symposium was timed to coincide with that, and uh, we have a number of speakers who will talk about why pollinators are under threat, what you can do to support them in your own yard, what plants are good for pollinators. And then there's workshops in the afternoon where you can either um, make a butterfly container, you can plant a pollinator garden, or you can build a bee house. So there are lots of things that people can learn about and um, then implement in their own backyards. Fantastic. Well, and I should uh, remind people we're talking to Dr. Kay Ree Havens. We, we call her Kay. Uh, from the Chicago Botanic Garden. If you didn't hear the previous segment, she's about to receive uh, an award from the American Horticultural Society, uh, the Liberty Hyde Bailey Award for all the work she's done over the years. Um, I also note that you've published more than 75 peer-reviewed research papers. Uh, um, that's, that's not a small number no. of papers either, is it? No, it is a significant amount of my life spent writing and revising those papers. And that's and that's all part of it. I mean, I, and I look at the, we mentioned the bud burst and, and the, what are you calling the conservation thing you're doing uh, in the forest preserves right now? Does it have a name? It does. It's called Native Winners. Native Winners? Winners? As in W-I-N-N-E. Okay. All right. Yeah, so uh, well, these these are plants that can compete really well with exotics. You mentioned uh, uh, Monarda, and, I, you know, I, I, I might take issue with Monarda. I'm always trying to keep it alive in my yard, uh, but it's probably because there's not quite enough sun for it. Uh, but you mentioned uh, milkweed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, milkweed, Monarda. What other some of those winners that you you think you can throw seed down and they will take off? Um, we have gray-headed coneflower, um, retibita pinata. That one really uh, spreads well. Um, golden glow, another um, coneflower or um, black-eyed Susan. Um, Penstemon. So things that are you know really common out in prairie landscapes and really tough. <laughs> and 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 are you? being uh working in the sunny areas shady areas mixed we're, we're working in sunny areas so this is a uh, technique that we're applying to kind of old fields and areas that the forest preserve mows once or twice a year um, so they're open areas um, with lots of sun fantastic all right so you're headed off to virginia this week to to go pick up your award um and uh, once that's done what does the rest of the year look like uh, for you in terms of your work well once i get back from virginia i head up to beautiful door county where i work on a rare thistle that occurs on the sand dunes up there so i will be doing my annual census of how it's doing um and then after that i'm home for a while and then head to a conference in south africa in september 
Well, la-dee-da. <laughs> Can you take me with you? Can I go to South Africa as well? I think we need a remote broadcast from there. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we got a guy here standing in front of us. He'll go to South Africa with us, too. All right? All the people here on the street would be happy to do that. Well, that's fantastic. Well, see, and you wonder why you're getting an award. I mean, you're going up to visit a rare thistle in Door County, Wisconsin, when you get home. Uh, who does that? All right, Kay? Who that's does that? Wanted. Yeah, me and about three other people. <laughs> exactly. This is why you... Thistle cam. We have to give you the award. Well, uh, thank you, Kay. Uh, thank you so much for all of your work over the years. Thank you for being on the show again this morning. It's a shame you can't be out here in the fog <laughs> with us. Um, <laughs> and uh, once again, congratulations on your award uh, from the American Horticultural Society. Well earned. And, uh, it, you know, kudos to the Chicago Botanic Garden for having you around. And it, uh, it, it does us proud. We're glad that uh, you're going to be able to do this, pick up the award. Uh, well, thanks so much, Mike and Peggy. Always fun to talk to you. All right. You have a great wet Sunday, okay? <laughs> I will. <laughs> thanks, okay. Kay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We just got uh, a, a minute or two here before uh, we uh, duck out for a break. And then in the second hour, uh, uh, we will have Rick DeMaio uh, talk about this Saying, we, I mean, you should have seen the, the email he sent me. He used a scatological term, which I cannot use here. On, on to the, describe the on weekend. The, on the, yes, he did. He said the weather's going to be really bleep. And so uh, there, you, I think you could guess uh, what he said. So he'll, he'll be back then, too. Uh, and I think in the second uh, hour, we're going to be doing some talking about some environmental mm -hmm. issues that uh, are, have come up. Uh, and, and some of them involve rain. Some of them involve uh, pollution going down to the Gulf of Mexico. Some involve birds. Birds, yes. A very important thing happening at Montrose and controversial yes. at Montrose Beach in Chicago. So stick around for that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are live from the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patak Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon. 
about those sweet potatoes. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki, and we are live at the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. Oh, boy, I'm glad they turned that oh, off. Oh, whatever, what, whatever that was. That noise a generator, was, I think. Yeah, I think so. And there's, like, <laughs> smoke and grills, and it, it's, a, it's a nice uh, brew of smells here. Yeah, it's drowned out the garbage smell. And I, now, now, <laughs> now, now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, no, it's great. People are coming because the fair is now open at 10 o'clock, so we're starting to get people walking by and people on their bikes. And and, and no more cars that are going to try to knock over our camera tripod, so that's good. Uh, we want to thank our great sponsors here, you know, WCGO 1590 and 95.9, Chicago Smart Talk. And our, oh, and look at... Uh, ben has a, arrived. A Ben Boquist sighting. Oh, my goodness. We're lousy, we're lousy with engineers here. Uh, uh, anyway, I want to thank our sponsors, Four Eyes Optical, on June 27th for National Sunglass Day. And I didn't even know there was a National Sunglass Day. I don't Sunglass think we need that today. No. They will be having a 50% off prescription sunglasses and 50% off complete pair purchases cool. with prescription from July 2nd through 7th. Uh, wait a second. It says on June 27th, but then it says from, okay. Anyway, but I guess just the 27th is the National Sunglass Day. Anyway, visit them at 635 Chicago Avenue right down the street from the Custer Fair. Uh, we also want to thank Arlington International Racecourse, celebrate Father's Day Sunday. That's today. And by the way, happy Father's Day to uh, folks. I uh, was getting my coffee this morning, and somebody wished me a happy Father's Day, and I said that I have no frame of reference for that, okay? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, it's just another day. All you, right? you, you, have, you have a garden of plants. I, I, those are, yeah, <laughs> but they don't wish me happy no, Father's no, Day. No. They, they just they get mildewy and things like that. <laughs> Uh, so back at Arlington International Race Course, uh, you can celebrate Father's Day with an all-inclusive package and ways to win big. Sunday is also Family Day. There's nonstop fun and activities for the kids, including a petting zoo, pony rides, face painting, carnival games, a bounce house. That brings me over there. <laughs> I will go to the bounce house. And more details at arlingtonpark.com. And finally... The uh, Firehouse Grill, they've been a good sponsor of Chicago Smart Talk for a long time. Yeah, give them a ding. I'll give them, they get a double ding. Oh, they get a beer ding, too. Check out their new patio and enjoy the best happy hour in Evanston. Visit them at 750 Chicago Avenue in Evanston. They're just down the block over there. Uh, so too, those are the Too chilly for the patio today, but the great they have a big dining room. The great sponsors of uh, yep. WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. And Perfect. I see that we're getting... Emails uh, from Audrey Fisher, and I'm glad you're listening, Audrey. And and so she's got like 15 different things she wants us to talk about. But one of them, uh, we'll get to after the break. But one of the things she uh, mentions is something kind of interesting: how to wash poison ivy mm -hmm. exposed clothes. Now that's what I w want to ask: is what happened, Audrey? Did you, did you roll in the stuff? Because uh, I've had I've had to run in with poison ivy in the past and it's it is not fun um so uh i i went to this site uh, that says the oil must be removed or can continue to cause problems and even contaminate other surfaces for up to two years isn't that fun so 
So it's best to, if you've got those clothes, whether it's uh, gear, washable shoes, if you don't have washable shoes, uh, you're going to have to figure out how to get it off of there. It's best to handle the clothes with, while wearing rubber gloves mm-hmm. or pick up the soiled fabrics with a clean cloth to avoid direct contact. Long tongs that you're going to get rid of. Yep. Be sure. To, well, you can wash those yeah. then. Be sure to clean the laundry basket Ooh. or hamper. Yeah, that contain the clothes after loading them into the washer by scrubbing it with some detergent and hot water. If you're lucky enough to have someone else help with laundry, be sure to tell them that mm-hmm. the clothes may have been exposed yeah. to poison ivy. The point is, it's going to get on everything, and you have to make sure that you eliminate it. And anything you've touched, if you walked across the floor, touched a door handle? So wash with your regular laundry detergent at the highest recommended water temperature for the fabric. Do not overload the washing machine and uh, because you want the clothes to be able to agitate freely. If they're all bunched in there, uh, you're not going to get rid of all the oil. The oil, the uh, urushiol oils will be suspended in the water and will not transfer to unexposed clothing areas in the load before being hmm. flushed away. I so didn't know that. It's, so it's hot, as hot as you can do that particular fabric. And again, be aware that wherever you put those clothes, uh, uh, or your shoes, your, if you, you know, if you're grabbing the clothes with gloves, then you got to wash the gloves too, um, or use the um, rubber gloves to do that. So uh, I'm hoping that you didn't have uh, a terrible exposure to it because. Uh, I remember when I did, it was, I was doing, uh, I was right out of Master Gardener training and I was working somebody's yard and ripping out a bunch of weeds and it was only after I started ripping out all the weeds I said, oh, by the way, there's poison ivy in there. Uh-oh. And it never occurred to me to look for poison ivy. And, and poison ivy can be on the ground, it can be running up a tree, a it, lot of different it, it can be, appearances. I, I, I was practically rolling in it, okay, so that... Uh, that was not a fun time. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're live at the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. We'll be talking about some environmental issues. Rick DeMaio got up a little early today, so stick around for that. We will be right back after this. Hey, Chicagoland. When you want the best science-based tree care in the area, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. With locations in Barrington, Naperville, Chicago, and Northbrook, Bartlett has 80 tree care professionals ready to do what's right for your tree and you. Whether it's your home or your business, a large job or a small one, every tree needs a champion. Call Bartlett for a free estimate. Go to Bartlett.com. The fish are back, and we're talking koi. We'll be streaming live June 22nd from the annual MPKS Koi and Trade Show at the Max in McCook, Illinois. The show is June 21st through 23rd. Learn from the pros, including the water mopes, Dr. Passavoy and his water quality team at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. Exhibits and seminars are free. Their 2019 Garden and Pond Tour is at the end of July, covering the entire Chicago area. Go to mpks.org. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? 
Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Okay, my slide. Well, I want to hear the, that music. What is that? Yeah, what are we listening yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, it's... Boom, 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 Okay, it, it has no theme, and it has... <laughs> it, it goes just kind of like that. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Welcome back to the Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, uh, live from the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. Guess what? It's not raining. It's not going to rain today anymore. We're done with that. We're done. Yay! Uh-oh, so come on by. Yeah, Randall's got his, uh, he's got his... He's doing his happy dance. Because uh, uh, you, you had an interesting day yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> with Mighty House out here and some of the other... It, it was funny because yesterday morning I get the, I, I'm watching on the Facebook uh, stream uh, Mighty House and Robbie's, she writes to me and says... Mike Novak, it's raining. And I, and I wrote back, I don't have any control over that. There's, <laughs> uh, there's nothing I can do. Thanks for the heads up. I, 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 you know, yeah. Blame Bill. The closest Blame I... Blame Bill, yes. Yeah, I, right, exactly. Blame Bill. Uh, I, I know a meteorologist. That's as close as I can get to that. <laughs> and, right? and Amos is saying, yay, more time with Dr. Rick. So we, uh, we will blame yeah, Dr. Rick. <laughs> fantastic. We'll, we'll do that. Uh, I wanted to get so, uh, so we answered uh, one of Audrey's questions, one of her <laughs> 25 questions. Uh, and I want to, uh, did you want to do this before? Yeah, let's uh, just, yeah, a couple promos here. Um, okay, let's do a couple Saturday. promos. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Speaking of the Fisherback. Right. We will be out at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society Trade Show and Expo in McCook at the Max. The Max. The uh, Max in McCook. Live on Facebook Saturday morning starting probably oh, around 10. Yeah, around 10 a.m. We're going to be doing some live streaming there. Uh, and uh, we're going to be watching the folks judge Koi and do seminars. And we're going to talk to the water mopes. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite names ever now for any kind of group, the Water Mopes. Uh, it's Dr. Bob Passavoy and his buddies there, and they they check your water quality, and they mm-hmm. tell, and they have to keep the 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 quality of the water uh, excellent there because they've got all these prize fish, and mm-hmm. they're all in this one area, and all these different tubs, uh, pools, I guess, because they're on big blue pools, yeah. and uh, you know you don't want. You don't want them going belly up at the at the max. No, and they're being judged, and they're they're the prize fish there. But they're also teaching people who have backyard ponds. 
Right, and that's the how whole to point, take care of the water. How do you take care of the water? Uh, and as Dr. Passavoy has pointed out to us uh, in the past, uh, every municipality tweaks the water a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So if you've got live fish there, you have to be paying attention to what your municipality is doing and how they are treating the water. Uh, there's no universal standard and for that. And it may that. change from season to season. Of course, with the water runoff mm-hmm. and, that, and rain, the kind of rain events we've had. So, in fact, that will be one of the questions we ask Dr. Passavoy and the Mopes is about the rain events we've yeah. had this year and how that effect affects ponds and what the koi are doing. Are they are they happy? Are they sulking? Are they swimming in the yard instead they, of the pond? They, they might be in your basement. <laughs> I understand some are swimming in your basement right now, Peggy. Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, so... Peggy's got her own koi collection in her basement. Actually, in right? my yard. The the um, squirrels are putting in a canoe launch as we speak. So go to mpks.org. We will be at the Max next Saturday morning around 10 a.m., and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all free, by the way, folks. You could come down there, and, and if you've ever thought about having a water feature in your yard, you ever thought about having koi, uh, in your backyard, and not just in the yard, but in a pond and in gold, the backyard. The, and I believe uh, goldfish and some other varieties. Well, because we spoke, yeah. we spoke to that gentleman last year who was more goldfish than koi. And I want to speak to the guy again that we interviewed last year, mm-hmm. and then we got three thousand, yeah, that guy, three thousand views <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? How does that happen? So, uh, although this past week we were down at uh, uh, Daly Plaza for the Forest Preserve District of Cook County had their Live Healthy program, and we inter- the, the Great Horned Owl has over 1,000 views. You should go to Mike Novak, the Mike Novak Show on Facebook and see my interview with, with an owl. With an owl. And Ryan. And Ryan. Uh, Ranger Ryan. Ranger Ryan. And uh, it was really fun. We had a fantastic time down there. And uh, and it was our only day of summer. It Friday was not bad. Friday was, I sneaked out to play on Friday, and I'm glad I did because, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, and, and, he, and Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Oh, yeah. Got to talk about that, too. We, you know, let me do that right now, and I can and, and do a plug at the same time because um, City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, is now partnering with the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. If you live in Chicago and you enter the contest, and all you got to do is enter the contest, you will automatically receive a $15 gift certificate to City Grange. Wow. Just for going online to chicagogardeningawards.org you fill out the application you send it in you're going to get a certificate in the mail for 15 bucks uh now of course with the plants uh and advice you get at city granger chances of winning an award will be that much better so what you do is you get your 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 award and (laughs) (laughs) if you're not watching on facebook you missed that one (laughs) sorry we need more boom boxes going by. Uh, so anyway, I'm just saying if if you get your $15 gift certificate to City Grange, go on up there, get some plants, and you'll get some advice too, and you might win um, an award uh, at in the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Uh, and don't forget, at City Grange, there's complimentary, complimentary valet parking on weekends, meaning today, 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa City Grange Learn Shop Blossom. But they're not the only people who are involved with the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. 
um, Mid Metropolitan Water Reclamation District is of of, of, gra the, of greater. The, wait, the Metropolitan Water. MWRD. Well, but they also they also go Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Sometimes they throw in the GC at the end of that. They've they've partnered yeah, with us too. They are again for anybody who enters the competition. Uh, your name's going to be put in the hat to win one of five rain barrels being donated by MWRD. And one of the things I want to address, let's while we're talking about it, um, Kathleen and I were talking about this uh, the other day, and there's an intimidation factor about entering any kind of a competition. Even if it's free, and this one is free, all you have to do is have a garden. All you have to do is think it looks nice. You enter, you're going to win a gift certificate for 15 bucks right out of the gate. You're going to be entered in a chance to win a rain barrel. Mm -hmm. Five people uh, who enter will win rain barrels. We'll have a drawing for that. And you might be recognized as having one of the best, best gardens in the city. And all it takes is for you to get a little courage and say, my garden looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how many people just say, oh, no, I could. Yeah, I could my garden's not ready. It's I could not, never not do enough. that. And I understand this year it's been slow start. But you know what? Everybody's um, in the same yeah. boat, li and, literally speaking. And you're going to have one or two judges come out who are going to talk with you. And you might be learning some things you can do with the garden, getting some good suggestions, finding out what you're doing right in the garden. So I'm telling you, go to chicagogardeningawards.org. Sign up, win a certificate, get a chance for a rain barrel, and enter the contest. Don't really don't be shy. We've it's amazing how uh, diffident people are about that sort of thing. And then we go to their gardens, and they're stunning. And yeah. we say, you you weren't going to enter this. Why weren't you going to enter this uh, garden uh, this year? And like we said, everybody's dealing with the cool weather. Everybody's dealing with the excess rain. It's it's kind of the the deal this year. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Uh, We'll ask Rick about it. We've heard rumors that we're, we might start getting some hot weather. <laughs> oh boy! Let's go from there. You go. Let's go from forty to one hundred and ten, just like that. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, so again, we just want to encourage. And, and by the way, uh, it's for individual. Happy Father's Day! Happy, uh, thank you. Appreciate that. I'm not a dad, but thank you anyway. Uh, In general. Uh, <laughs> and so. Uh, I was going to say that anybody can enter. You've got individual gardens. You've got community gardens, school gardens, business gardens. Um, we've had firehouses. We've had rooftop gardens, uh, urban farms. We're and the only container gardens, container gardens, uh, vertical gardens. About the only restriction is that you need to live in the city of Chicago, uh, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're taking uh, the applications through July seventh. So you got time, folks. Get out there and enter the contest. I, I'm glad we had this extra time to just talk about that and get over your anxiety about that, your garden ang your garden award anxiety. Move past that. I think it would be a good thing. Okay. Um, I was going to say, speaking of MWRD. And well, here's what I want to do. I want to save okay. that for when Rick comes on because uh, that let's – I want to address uh, something that Audrey Fisher sent us on Facebook here. And, and we have to talk about the birds at Montrose, too. Oh, yeah. And, I, th and then we'll go right into the birds uh, about that. Um, uh, Audrey, you know, we, uh, because of Audrey, I know about the issue about the swapping out the lights in Chicago. And, and uh, we had a guy on from the Adler Planetarium when we were down at um, 
the, M, uh, the, ah, the Forest Preserve mm -hmm. District of Cook County event on Tuesday. And we're going to have him yeah. back on the show. We're going to bring him on to our Sunday show and talk about light pollution. And light pollution is a real deal. And I said to him, a lot of folks don't really understand it, do they? And he said, no, folks do not. They don't understand that the idea that you have too much light and it can be harmful is a real thing. Audrey understands, our friend Audrey Fisher, who is at Wild Blossom Meadery and Winery on the south side of Chicago. Uh, that's, you know, she does the meadery, but she also works for the Chicago Astronomical Society and is uh, focused on how we can reduce our light pollution. Well, the city of Chicago right now is swapping out more than 270,000 lights in the city. And a few weeks ago, Peggy and I went out. Uh, and we had uh, we had Scott Wagaspack, Alderman from the 32nd Ward, with us. We had some other folks. We had Monica Eng from WBEZ came along, and we did tests of these lights that we should be using in Chicago because the problem with the lights that are being installed right now is that they're 3,000 Kelvin, and that is a degree, and then it, it, it's a measure of brightness, um, and it and they're also very blue lights, and that's not good for human beings. And the city of Chicago. Right now, and I guess we got to say it. You got to, you got to get. Sometimes you got to get a little, a little rough. They're missing the boat. They're missing an opportunity because they're going to swap out these lights, and they won't be changed for a generation. And as Audrey pointed out, and we had our friend David, um, and I knew I was going to forget the last name. <laughs> look it up from Lumican. Uh, I, I don't know why. I just had the hardest time remembering his last name. And it's not a hard last name. No. David from Lumican came down with a light he had created in... Uh, 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 in um, Edmonton. Edmonton. Thank you. Edmonton, Alberta. Alberta. Uh, Canada. And uh, it's a 20... 30... Uh, wait, 22... David Mitchell. Thank you. David Mitchell. Uh, 22 Kelvin... 2200 Kelvin light. That is the most beautiful... Gives you accurate color readings, still illuminates, and it doesn't glare like the lights that are being installed right now in the city of Chicago. And they're color correct. And they could be, they could be manufactured right here in the Chicago area. Why? And the cities, uh, there's, okay, there's bureau, bureaucracy is run amok at the moment because no, the uh, CDOT and the other folks there are not listening to this, there are five lights that have been brought to Chicago to be tested. None of them have been installed. Meanwhile, uh, Audrey points out that 35,000 more of the 3,000 Kelvin lights have been bought. And it's, you know, it's a runaway train. It's a bureaucracy that says, well, we already got the contract. We, we're going to just get the lights we had there, even though the technology has changed be, while they've been doing the installation, and that's part of the problem. David Mitchell said to me the technology changes every six months. He was on our show and talked about that. So I don't know why the city of Chicago isn't paying attention. Well, I know why they're not. It's because they got a contract, they got relationships. Uh, you know how bureaucracies work, and sometimes they're corrupt and sometimes they're not. I don't know if they're corrupt. I just know that they're not paying attention. They're uh, just on the train. Uh, yeah, they're on the train. They don't want to stop the train now because it's just, it would be too hard to slow it down and change out because who wants to bother with that? Because uh, the only people paying attention are very few people like Adrian and me and David Mitchell and you and a few others. So if there's, uh, I've, I've got some friends I'm going to talk to this week and see if we can't, we're going to put our hands in the air and wave them around and say, hey, 
hey, uh, we think you might not be doing this right, mm -hmm. and you need to swap these out. So, two minutes. Okay, we got two minutes here. You want? Let's go to. We got two minutes to talk about the birds here. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, and we can carry it over into the next second segment because there's a very interesting thing happening at Montrose yes. yeah, Beach. NBC 5's headline this week was Endangered Bird's Nest Could Halt Chicago Beachfront Music Festival. And Chicago Sun-Times headline was Could These Cute Little Birds Kill a Major Lakefront Music Fest? Well, you know, it makes it sound like these birds are thugs because, oh no, people are going to have their music fest taken away from them. The idea, well, you know about the birds more than I do. Well, yeah, and it's the whole framing of how the articles were put out there, but basically um, two piping plovers, which are an endangered species of bird, um, have started nesting along Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. They've, uh, they're very endangered in the Great Lakes. They're very endangered in coastal areas on the East Coast as well. Because there's an issue in New Jersey where they canceled yeah. the concert. Yes. Because of, yeah. And um, they had unsuccessfully, I believe it was, nested last year up in Waukegan. And they're at Montrose. And the Chicago Ornithological Society and Chicago Audubon Society um, have volunteers there dawn to dusk. The right. Park District has cordoned off the area. Um, to because, keep because people, they laid some yeah, eggs. They laid some eggs. The four eggs, actually, my understanding, were taken to the Lincoln Park Zoo because um, of the high water. So we'll talk about that when we come back yeah. from the break. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Take the duck. <laughs> there we go. It's a fish. It's not a duck. It's a fish. We just got a rubber fishy here handed to us. All right. Uh, uh, we're going to continue with the uh, issue about the piping plovers at Montrose Beach because we didn't finish the concert thing. We'll be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki live from the Custer Fair. Did you know that there are 17,000 chemicals used in the array of common household cleaners? But only 30% of these are tested for side effects on human health and the environment. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The average household has 3 to 25 gallons of toxic materials in the house, most of which are cleaning products. When buying cleaning products, avoid anything that bears a poison label, duh, but especially products that contain diethylene glycol, formaldehyde-based deodorizers, triclosan, phenols, petroleum solvents, perchloroethylene, and other hard-to-pronounce stuff. Check out sites like EWG.org, who have done the homework for you already. Or make your own. It's an easy, non-toxic solution. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not-so-serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants, indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. 
Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. We'll get to Rick DeMaio in just a second. I just wanted to finish... Uh, our conversation that, that we started about the piping flo- plovers. Is it plover or plo- pl- plover? Piping plover? Okay. Is Facebook volume? Um, has she got a, yeah, got a mic? Okay. No, I was checking, making sure our Facebook volume was back up. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and so anyway, um, what happened is they've been discovered along Lake Michigan, and now there's a concert that was done on the south side. Um, and the what is the name of the, the Mambi? Mambi, what is okay? Oh, Mambi. Well, you can <laughs> No, no, that's a different concert. Um, and uh, it it's scheduled to take place on August twenty third and twenty fourth, and expected to draw as many as twenty thousand people to the lakefront each day. And of course, the. Chicago Ornithological Society and other bird watchers are kind of, kind of, they're, they're not crazy about this idea because they've got these two very rare mm-hmm. birds that have decided to mate on the shores of Lake Michigan at Montrose Beach. Build their nest. Build a nest. They've laid eggs. Um, they're doing everything they can to keep people and dogs mm-hmm. and people with dogs. Yeah away from these birds. And the rising lake levels, too. And rising lake levels. And now we've got a concert that's going to have tens of thousands of people there. Um, and, well, you know me. I'm not, I, I, it, they're, they're worried about, it's going to cost millions of dollars. Well, they, they just canceled one of those in New Jersey yeah. for exactly the same reason. Um, and one of the, in the, the Chicago Sun-Times article, I'm trying to see who... And I, I can't get to it. My computer has locked itself up, so... Okay. Uh, there's a guy who heads up the uh, jam productions. Jerry Mickelson. Yeah, Jerry Mickelson, who said, let me warn you that there are millions of dollars at risk here, and all of you might be exposing yourselves to the, this liability by your interference with our rights to hold this event at Montrose Beach that you have requested slashed, insisted the Park District not allow. Okay. Well, now it turns out they might have to move it away from the beach because of high water mm-hmm. levels. But uh, you know, this is this is the way we roll. It's like it's ah, screw the birds. <laughs> you know, we 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 need to have a concert here. It's the conflicts on land usage. Um. Yeah, but you know what? That's a dumb place to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. That close to that natural area. It is a natural area, and a lot of people work very hard to protect it and to increase it and to make it viable for birds let's it's a flyway yeah for birds down lake michigan and this is where they stop uh this is one of the places you can't you can't tell me you can't move that a half a mile inland that concert somewhere you can't tell me that that's that's nonsense you don't have to have a view of the lake all right you don't just to have the concert anyway all right uh Oh, okay. Well, then okay. we could just keep talking. 
What do you, I'm sorry. I, I can't hear anything in my headset, so. Well, don't worry about it. Just listen to it. <laughs> Neither can I. So, in fact, you don't need it. You just take them off <laughs> you and you listen to the headsets. speaker out there. All right, let's go to Rick DeMaio on the phone. Rick, are you with us? I'm with you guys in spirit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Happy Father's Day <laughs> Happy to you. Happy Father's Day. You're being feted and uh, treated like uh, a great dad. Did you earn it? Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, I, I would have loved to have been with you guys today, but it's just, it's too cold. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we're out. Yeah, we were. We could see our breath earlier. All right, I have a quick question. We, I have a quick question for you because I heard something on the way in uh, that I'm kind of uh, wondering about, and I didn't realize it till this morning when I was driving in, and I heard something on a, a couple of times on the radio. Somebody talking about the fog in Chicago will burn off later in the day. Is that a thing? Does fog actually burn off, or does it just move away? No. Or does... I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the sun heats the atmosphere, which expands the volume of the air molecules. And as long as the moisture is not increased by winds coming in off the lake, the amount of specific humidity in each uh, volume of air stays the same while the volume of air becomes larger. So due to heating... The relative humidity goes down, the atmosphere expands, and the sun rays have a better chance of reaching you at the ground. Does that make sense? Uh, I guess. It's supposed to go, wow, Rick, that was explained really well. Okay, wow, Rick, that was explained really well. Wait, wait, way to go. So when people say it burns off, obviously that's the common way you say it, but that's not actually the case. No. No, it, it, it evaporates, but if you say the fog will evaporate, people will say, oh, you're just trying to sound really smart. God forbid that we should have smart people uh, on the radio. Uh, so uh, here we are on uh, the 16th of June. I have two. I have a jacket and a sweatshirt on. It's it's nippy out here. My hands are cold, I have to tell you. My, I should yeah. be wearing gloves. And last year, right. it was, what, and, 98 and if, degrees here? And if you notice, the, the wind has kind of picked up a little bit. Um, in the last hour, and in fact, uh, there's wind gusts to uh, 20 to 25 miles per hour um, along the lakefront. And when you keep hearing about the lake water temperature is 60 degrees, well, that's like a little piece of water, like right up against the shoreline. If you really look at the lake water temperature, the mid-lake buoy um, is only 44, and the uh, water temperature off Wilmette Harbor which is not far from where you guys are, is only 46 degrees. So uh, this is about this is about as bad as it gets for the um, the 16th of June. In fact, when you guys are done with your show, you should walk about three blocks to the east and take a look at Lee Street Beach. It's Lee Street Beach is now half Lee Street Beach. There's, there's very little beach on the northern part due to the fact that the lake level is so high. And we've had many days of northeast winds that continued to erode at the shoreline. Yeah, I've been hearing reports, reading reports about the the lake levels. Mm -hmm. uh, saw some of uh, the the walks in Chicago that have been overrun right. by water. It's uh, it, is it going to continue to rise, Rick? I would think because we we're still getting rain. Well, two things will make. Uh, Lake Michigan water level um, go down is really hot weather, so you can evaporate moisture 
off of the surface into the atmosphere, um, and very little in the way of rainfall across Michigan and Wisconsin. Very, very little of the rainfall that we get here in the Chicago area actually goes into Lake Michigan. Most of it goes into the Chicago River, the Illinois River, the Iroquois River, you got it. It just basically goes away from us. Um, and I don't see any of those two things happening anytime soon. Um, in fact, we get back into a wet pattern um, as quickly as this Wednesday, and quite possibly you may actually see the lake level um, increase because we had nearly two to three inches of rain across parts of northern Wisconsin and central Michigan over the last two days. So even though we didn't get as much rain here in the Chicagoland area proper, there was a lot of rain up to the north of us. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the lake level continues where it's at or goes even higher. Speaking of rainfall, some of the estimates that came in, um, anywhere between two and a half and as much as three inches around LaSalle, uh, Peru. Um, there was one little spot up around the Buffalo Grove area, which got about two inches, up around Bannockburn as well. But most of the Chicago proper, Cook County, got basically about a half inch to maybe three-quarters of an inch. The heaviest rainfall was to the west and southwest of us, um, where they probably don't need it, and that's farm country. And I'm glad you brought that up because our, our friend Pat Sketch, uh wrote to me again uh, just yesterday uh, talking about his friend uh, who's farming in Illinois. He says his farmer friend finished planting corn and soybean crop, 5,000 acres in total. He's a month late. He's concerned, one, what will the weather be like during the growing season? A drought? Too much rain? Two, will the crops reach full maturity before the first autumn frost since they were planted late? He said at least one-third of the farmers in the three eyes, meaning Indiana, Illinois, and Iowa, elected not to plant, and instead they took the federal insurance. This is going to be very costly to the economy for so many people in the next year or two. His corn crop is for ethanol and cattle feed corn. Kevin had told me yesterday, now listen to this, Rick, in order to complete his planting, he had only four hours of sleep uh, in a 24-hour day for the last 10 days. So for the last 10 days, he's been getting by in about four hours of sleep and then going out and working the fields. Yeah, and that's because we finally had decent weather for what they called field work. Um, so when you have... Uh, a nice sunny day after it hasn't rained, most people go, wow, it's really nice out. A farmer goes, but can I get into my field? Can I get a gigantic piece of equipment into my field? Um, has the rainwater from the last two days evaporated? So it'll take farmers sometimes two days to recover after a heavy rain event. And when you have weather like this, which is overcast uh, and cool, you're not getting the evaporation. I mean, I'm looking at areas all the way down into the Peoria and Bloomington area. It's overcast and 70 degrees, and it's going to stay that way most of the day. So even though it may not rain, a farmer looks at this and goes, another day where I can't get um, ahead. So the reason why this farmer was basically putting in 18 to 20-hour days was not because he could, but because he had to. Uh, and we're we're just about to break here, Rick. We'll come back and we'll talk more about this. But two of the things that uh, Peggy and I had noticed mm -hmm. is uh, an article yesterday 
uh, in the Tribune and other places. There's a giant dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico, thanks in large part to pollution from Chicago. Not just Chicago, but from, from farms all up and down the Mississippi River and in the middle of the country. Um, we're sending nitrogen and phosphorus to the Gulf, and it's killing everything there, and it's going to be one of the largest dead zones in history. So we'll talk more about that. We've got Rick DeMaio, meteorologist on the phone. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're broadcasting live from the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. Stick around. Want to put more life into your backyard soil? The folks at Blazing Star Nursery were amazed at how biologicals from a company called Tinyo helped transform a barren former cornfield to a vibrant native landscape. Now they recommend those products to home gardeners. Tinyo's microbial mycorrhizal fungi and enzymes can be used on all types of crops to improve plant health and overall production. Go to blazing-star.com and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Spring is finally in the air, and the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards are taking applications for this year's garden competition. Whether your garden is in your backyard, at a school, a church, a business, a community garden, or even an urban farm, you can enter, as long as the garden is in the city of Chicago. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your plot of paradise might be recognized as one of the best in the city. That's chicagogardeningawards.org. This is Mike Novak, and I just proved that the climate crisis is real. Meteorologist Rick DeMaio gets the goods from Fred Braun from the village of Niles, Illinois. Do you find yourself playing differently before you begin the winter season now? Definitely. We start earlier. We've moved everything up about a month. We used to do that in November, early November. Now we're doing it in October. When city crews are changing their schedules, you know it's real. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Sundays 9 to 11 on 1590 and 95.9. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, live from the Custer Fair in Evanston, Illinois. We've got meteorologist Rick DeMaio on the phone. And I just want to mention one thing really quick, since you just heard a a little thing about the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Uh, Our friend Kathleen Thompson says, don't consider it a competition. There's no first, second, third uh, we're just looking for beautiful gardens. If we have more beautiful gardens, we give out more awards. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. So that's the other thing. You don't have to feel like you're competing. Um, and, uh, Rick, you might have, I don't know if you heard uh, while you were online there, the, the promo we did about you talking to the guy from uh, uh, Niles, Illinois, Fred Braun, um, and uh, how they're changing their schedules because climate is changing. And it's, it, it's so true. When the city guys start doing that, you know, that uh, climate change is real, right? Yeah, and, and on top of that, you think about what we had around here. Um, I think when I was with you guys last year at the Custer Street Fair, um, it was 93 degrees. The overnight low was 78, and the heat index was like 105, um, if not 110. And then now you're talking about you know temperatures in, in the 50s. So it, it, it's, again, not so much the change, but this intense degree of variability that we keep seeing 
and and you keep wondering at what point um, do we do we try to figure out how to adapt or mitigate? Um, and I and I and I still hope that this isn't lost in the discussion of the upcoming election. And you hate to say it, but in 2020, you know, yeah. you keep hearing. You know, Beta O'Rourke came out with a plan. Joe Biden came out with a plan. Um, and I still feel like it's not getting the coverage it's supposed to be getting um, in the media. It's like, okay, you got a plan, good, but but how are you going to beat Trump? You know, it's it's a shame that, that that seems to be the number one thing from a standpoint of it's not policy, but it's politics is what everybody's discussing at this point. Well, and you can kind of understand that, that the, the idea is that if we don't, if if Trump is not defeated, then it, this is all useless. That we're 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 going to go to heck in a handbag. So I can understand why there's a lot of focus on that. But you're right. It, folks need to know what the plans are and and how we're moving into the future. And and as I mentioned before the break, uh, we've got uh, a giant dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico thanks to a lot of this rain, which is washing through the. Um, agricultural fields and it picks up uh, phosphorus and nitrogen uh, but also as the Tribune article points out and as you mentioned earlier Rick you were talking about how the water doesn't flow into Lake Michigan here it flows mm -hmm. out because we reversed the Chicago River a hundred years ago the Stickney water reclamation plant which handles the waste of 2.3 million people is the single biggest source in the entire region uh, uh, and drains into the Mississippi River. It's the single largest source of phosphorus, and that's uh, going down the Mississippi and all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. So we're contributing to that from here. Mm -hmm. Farmers are definitely contributing to that because they have the nitrogen and phosphorus runoff. People who put too much uh, fertilizer, nitrogen fertilizer on their lawns in their backyard are contributing to this, and with these copious amounts of rain, mm -hmm. we're washing all that down to the Gulf of Mexico. When we have rains like this, boy, the dead zone just increases uh, exponentially. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know if you saw that email that uh, Deborah Shaw put out early this week. Did you, Mike, Peg? Yes. Yes, it's, it was one. We were going to refer to that, too, about how it's a wet, wet, wet world, she says. That was an amazing email because she points out that there have been no uh, combined sewer overflows this year, which, given our rain, is pretty remarkable in the Chicago area. Kudos to what the um, water reclamation plant has done from an infrastructure standpoint. But I think one of the real reasons why we didn't have any flooding of any great magnitude was because the rain was spread out over such a, um, a long period of time, and we did not have a single event over two inches. Now, here's the deal. Usually, you'll get your heaviest rainfall sometime in the middle of, sometimes the middle to end of June. So what we have to be really, really careful about is not so much praising ourselves for what we did from an infrastructure standpoint, but probably also look up to the heavens and go, thank you, you've given this to us over a long period of time, and it's been kind of widespread uh, from a geographical standpoint. If we get... One heavy rain event of four, five, or six inches, um, you're talking disaster around here because the ground obviously cannot handle that. But, you know, going back to uh, the flow that takes the water and the nutrients and, uh, if you want to call it, the natural pollutants away from the Chicagoland area, away from Illinois, away from the farmers, down the Mississippi River, all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, I think a large part of that runoff has to do with the fact that we now have this 
period of time during the winter, which seems to be increasing, of warm temperatures that allows whatever snow melt and, 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 and chemicals that we put to melt snow and ice to run into uh, the rivers that much easier. It used to be that once you got to about the end of November, whatever snow you had on the ground, pretty much 90% of the time was there until about maybe the middle of February. I used to recall when I was in TV, I used to get you know phone calls and emails from people saying, hey, Rick, I can finally see my grass. We see grass now literally 10 months, 11 months, almost 12 months out of the year. Um, and I think a large part of some of the pollutants getting down into the Gulf of Mexico is the fact that we're having more and more of these winters where you're melting the stuff and you're running it off before maybe it can seep into the ground and stay where it's basically put. So I, that's, that's one of the things I, I think is a, a big part of that. And, and I want to talk about this again some other time. Uh, we need to get to a forecast here, but the one of the things that I've become aware of is that um, uh, the agricultural uh, workers get a pass on this because um, it's not considered point source runoff. It's you know it's mm -hmm. not coming out of a pipe. Yeah. It's 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 just coming seeping from the ground into the waterways, and so they get a pass in the Clean Water Act, which is uh, amazing considering how much phosphorus and nitri nitrogen is going down the river. But um, we need to get to a forecast, and, and Peggy mentioned to me she heard a, a, a vicious rumor that there might be some heat on the way to Chicago. Do you see anything like that, Rick? You know what? There's going to be some warmer weather. It's not going to get here um, anytime soon uh, from a standpoint of 85 to 90. But, you know, it looks like the pattern does want to change um, once we get to the end of next weekend. But before we do that, you know, whenever we get into these, you know, surges of warm air, you typically get these rounds of thunderstorms, which produce very, very heavy rainfall. And I think that's what we have coming back at us Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. In fact, I'm looking at the six- and seven-day forecast from a standpoint of total rainfall, and it shows an area pretty much from northeastern Iowa all the way through northeast Illinois into Indiana. I get this four to six inches of rain. So oh. when you get that much rain on top of the saturated soil that we have, again, this is not going to do anything to help out the farmers. So bottom line, uh, mid-50s lakefront today, mid-60s inland. In fact, today is going to be the coldest Father's Day since 1992, and that was during the summer of Mount Pinatubo. All right. Uh, temperatures tomorrow near 70, near 70 on Tuesday, upper 70s with rain coming back at us on Wednesday. And it looks like some more heavy rain by the time we get to Thursday and Friday by the end of the week, Mike and Peg. What's well, that? That's, that's not, not hopeful. That's not hopeful or helpful. <laughs> it's oh, helpful. No, it's not hopeful. Not at all. <laughs> no, okay. Rick, thanks so much. Appreciate it. You have a happy Father's Day to you. Have a great Sunday. Thank you, guys. All right. And, and his, he just predicted uh, today on Father's Day is going to be as cold as my heart. All right? <laughs> That's all i got to say about that. Hey, I want to thank everybody uh, who helped us out today. we got our, our en crack engineer staff here. Uh, Randall and Ben. Randall and Ben. Andy on the uh, spin in the dials inside, of course. Ellie back at the studio. Ellie back at the studio. We appreciate all, all of that. Until next time, go green or go home. Stadler? Oh, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? 
I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 